<laughs> Welcome to the month of May. We have made it. It is May the 6th. We're here. We're doing our thing. Thank goodness, right? Between the Indy 500, the Coca-Cola 600, and the Monaco Grand Prix, the buildup to racing's greatest weekend could not be more interesting. Yeah, good stuff. We're going to talk about that. We got all kinds of things going on. I'll tell you what, I'm glad you guys are stopping by. This is The Driving Show. My name is John Hammer. This is the, the time of the day, the time of the week where we all get together. We sit there and we talk about cars, right? What's what's on your mind? New cars, used cars, old cars, fixing cars, wrenching cars, racing cars, talking about people who drive cars, uh, celebrities on TV, that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that we talk about here on The Driving Show. So if you're new to it, I'm glad you're stopping by. If you're old hat, you know what's going on here. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. So, Fernando Alonso has had his first taste of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Did you watch it on uh, on the internet the other day? What was that like for the two-time Formula One world champion? We're actually going to hear from him later in the show. One of the hottest up-and-coming NASCAR drivers isn't even in the big show yet, but Jesse Awuji has folks talking, and Jesse will be talking with us coming up later in the show. Plus, we had a really good chat going on in social media earlier this week. What's the one song that makes you drive fast? And I'm not talking about necessarily songs that are about cars. They don't have to be that. I'm just talking about songs that when you get in the car, you've just got to just, you know, just gotta, you'd give it a up to 11, like Spinal Tap, man. <laughs> Put together a list uh, between uh, the stuff that you guys replied to and uh, some other things. And if you'd ever like to, to chat in on anything, remember on our social media, uh, you can find us on Facebook at thedrivingshow.com and on Instagram at thedrivingshow. It's pretty straightforward right there. Oh, let's see here. We got to get to all of that. So we got so much to do. Uh, oh, we're also going to take a look at the latest in motorsports uh, news. We'll have the update uh, coming at uh, coming up in just a little while. I mean, that's a lot to fit in in just one hour here on the driving show. But first, yes, it is time for the news. <laughs> Now, there's no secret that product placement in movies is a big deal. Dodge has spent a, a good part of the Fast and Furious franchise for, for years. Uh, it was just announced a week or so ago that Vin Diesel is their new spokesperson, replacing the, let's be honest, the polarizing Richard Rawlings of Gas Monkey Garage fame. Some people thought it was a brilliant thing. Other people thought he was just kind of an over overglorified redneck. But uh, it's not just muscle cars that benefit from Hollywood. This weekend, the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie opens up, and you'll get a sneak peek at Ford's upcoming Eco Sport subcompact crossover. In fact, it'll be in the movie twice. It's got two scenes, and one of the scenes they actually even drive the thing into the uh, into the scene. So there you go. Uh, ever have one of those days where you just wanted to get out of the office? That happened for 2,000 Ford employees the other day. They found a suspicious package in the mailroom of one of their offices in Metro Detroit. The police bomb squad was brought in, and they figured out that the package was not harmful. However, everybody got evacuated. Ford says, we evacuated the building out of an abundance of caution to ensure the safety of our employees. I don't want you to get any ideas out here, but if that worked for Ford once, maybe you can get out of the office and go grab a little... Leftover Cinco de Mayo or something, right? Uh, Elon Musk is the man behind Tesla, and he's got a couple new ideas that he shared recently. He wants to build tunnels beneath major cities and fill them with Teslas running at triple-digit speeds. I I know what you're thinking. Now, the plan seems to be a little bit far-fetched, but 
His other idea isn't so crazy. He wants to build electric-powered big rigs, tractor trailers running on volts, not diesel. This idea is quite a bit less oddball and could actually work. Musk says that he wants to show that, that you know, no, an electric truck actually can out-torque any diesel semi. And if you had a tug-of-war competition, the Tesla semi will tug the diesel semi uphill. Those are his words. The Tesla semi is set to debut later this year. Now, if you're into the wilderness, you probably reflect that into your vehicle, right? You may own a pickup truck or a Jeep, maybe a a Toyota FJ or a Land Rover. Certainly, if you're an outdoorsman, you've probably never thought of buying a Mini until now. The Mini Cooper Countryman is the most off-road ready Mini ever. It's got ground clearance. It's got a Dakar pedigree. It's got all-wheel drive systems in there. Now you can get it with an attached tent. (laughs) I am not kidding. The tent is over six feet long by almost five feet wide, although it's only about two feet tall. I mean, it's, it's snug in there, and it mounts on the roof of the car. So how do you get up there? Well, it comes with an aluminum ladder. You can just climb right on up there, right? You can, you can check it out right now uh, at thedrivingshow.com and on Instagram at thedrivingshow. I got a picture of it up there. It's pretty uh, pretty interesting. It, just, it reminds you of like all the other vehicles that have been converted into campers over the years. You know, Volkswagen, old Vanagons. And, and uh, do, you remember the, do you remember the Pontiac Aztec? They actually had a tent thing that went off the, the back end of that as well. Although it was on an Aztec, so... You know, yeah, exactly. All right, it's time to zip up our sleeping bag. Bad segue, right? In a little bit, we're going to talk about the songs that make you just have to stand on the gas, man. Officer, it wasn't my fault. Sammy Hagar was on. Uh, What is your favorite tune to crank up in the car? But next, we are joined by Navy Lieutenant and NASCAR driver Jesse Awuji. He's up next right here on The Driving Show. Stay right there. I'm John Hammer. We'll be right back. The first Saturday morning of the month, and in a lot of places, that is Cars and Coffee Day. I want to say hi to you listening in Atlanta and Indianapolis and Philly and all of you catching the live stream on TalkRadioNetwork.com. Now, out west, there's a darn bit of good action in the racing world. NASCAR K&N Pro Series West is fantastic. This is a great stepping stone to trucks and Xfinity Series and the competition. I mean, it's tough. It really is. Jesse Awuji is living his dream racing in that series, but he's also a lieutenant in the Navy. And Jesse, he's on the phone with us right now. I heard that you are looking to get out of the military later this year. Is that right? What's the story? So I'm not getting out completely. What I'm doing is I'm going to be transitioning from uh, active duty to the reserves. So I'll still be in the military, just not full time. And it'll allow for me to basically be able to go out and continue to pursue my dreams in in NASCAR. Yeah, right on. Well, and a heck of a dream that you've got, too, man. I mean, there's not a lot of people that get the opportunity to even... You know, to even get past, uh, you know, I mean, I, I look, I, I live in Charlotte. Heck, I live in Mooresville. I'm sure you know we're Mo- you know all about Mooresville these days, right? But even guys here in Mooresville, you know, they, you know, they might wind up over at Hickory and they'll do some late model stuff. And but the majority of guys never get past that level. You managed to get past that level. How'd you pull it off, Jesse? 
Yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting uh, story for sure. Um, even just, you know, kind of how I got to where I'm at right now. Uh, you know, prior to uh, even racing late models, I'd never raced in my life. Um, all I had done on a track before was just open track days with my Corvette and some drag racing stuff with my Challenger that I had. But besides that, I never did any wheel-to-wheel racing, whether it was road coursing or oval. Yeah. So um, right after my second deployment, in two, uh, which ended at the end of 2014, um, I did some testing with a stock car team, a late model team in Irwindale Speedway yep. in early 2015. I did about maybe three tests and then decided that I was ready to start stock car racing. And I jumped into a late model and uh, did my first ever you know, late model race, uh, April 2015. And um, from there, I really liked it, really enjoyed it, decided that I wanted to keep on going with it. So I did a few more races that year and then decided that 2016 was the year that I was going to uh, really make a jump up towards uh, K&N and try to go a full season with that. And even though it's kind of premature, a little bit definitely early for sure, because a lot of people spend years and years and years of racing before they even get to K&N. Yeah. But um, I decided to just make the jump, and I was like, you know what, let's just see how, see how I do. You know, I know I'm not going to be the fastest, I'm not going to be the best, but if I can at least be consistent and just finish every single race, stay out of trouble, not wreck, and you know just bring that car home clean every single race, um, hopefully some good things happen. And it did. I in my rookie season, after you know only five late model races prior to that, I finished tenth uh, in points yeah. in the K and N West series. So um, that was really awesome and definitely a huge achievement for me. Um, you know, and, and now going into this 2017 season, my goal is to finish again in the top 10 in points, but now um, bring up my level of performance. Now I want to be faster each race. Uh, I want to be better each race. I want to be more competitive each race and really show what I can do personally as a driver. I'm standing here in the studio right now, shaking my head going, two years. You've been doing this two yeah. years. Yeah, my two-year anniversary of racing was just a few weeks ago. That is nuts, man. So, so Jesse, have you always been a car guy? I mean, how did you even get into cars? I, I've always liked cars since I was little. Um, when I was a little kid, I used to watch that show Knight Rider, and that was like <laughs> sure. one of my most favorite shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speed Racer, too. Yeah. Really great shows. So um watched those when I was a kid, and as I grew up, I just, I just had a thing for cars, always liked it, but never really got into it that big until somewhere in the middle of college when I was at the Naval Academy. Um, you know, I was playing football there and running track at the Naval Academy, but on the side, I just really had a thing for cars. So when I finally graduated from the Naval Academy and I, and I joined the services and I became an officer in the Navy, I finally was getting paid enough to actually go out and buy my own car. Yeah. So I went and bought a Dodge Challenger. Um, started fixing it up a little bit and doing some drag racing stuff with it. And then after a few years of that, I decided, you know what? I want to do more than just go straight fast. I want to actually be able to turn. Yeah. So I bought a Corvette Z06. I started taking it to different tracks and just doing local open track days. Yeah. Uh, nothing too big, just kind of time trial type stuff and learned how to turn left and right. And after doing that for a while and, you know, being better than the majority of the people who would run that day, um, I decided, hey, you know, why not try to professionally race? Yeah. And I made that jump. It wasn't easy at all. And I quickly realized that everyone was better than me. <laughs> but um, I I still had some skill because, you know, in my first race ever at Irwindale Speedway, you know, Irwindale is one of the most competitive tracks tough in place. the West. Very tough especially place. Especially for late models. Yeah. And for me to jump in, the, go to Irwindale, there was a 20-car late model field. And for me to go there with literally only three test days under my belt, and never raced prior in my life. And for me to be running 13th of 20, like yeah. the whole race until yeah. somebody spun me out, I still finished 15th. 
um, that showed me right there that I have some type of natural ability lying somewhere in me. So I was like, you know what? Let me keep on running with this. The, the next race, I actually qualified 12th and was uh, almost running top 10 before a wreck ended my night. Yeah. But, um, you know, things like that, I was just really showing myself, like, hey, I think I have a little bit of ability. You know, I'm not, you know, completely there yet, but I'm beating out people who've been racing all their life. So, hey, it's, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> you guys are just tuning in. We've got Jesse Awuji on the phone with us. And Jesse's been, I mean, just a, a great story and in, in how you've been able to bring the success from, from really, from a hobby standpoint, where so many of us listening to this radio show are. We are a community of gearheads who, you know, we might autocross, we might do some track days, maybe some, some road racing and some circle track racing. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, we're enthusiasts. You know, this is, you know, this is not a, a big, you know, gigantic, you know, national national deal with, you know, all the NASCAR guys tuning in, although we've had some of them on the phone, some IndyCar guys, sure. Uh, but uh, you've really lived the dream, and that's what Jesse's doing right now. He's running in the K&N uh, Pro Series West, and I want to ask you, you brought something up a minute ago that I really, I always, I like picking people's brains about this. You got started doing road course stuff wound up, tra- well, actually, in drag racing stuff, you transitioned into road course stuff, and then you went circle track racing. Talk to me about how challenging it was to move between those three disciplines. Yeah, it, it was definitely different for sure. Uh, going from drag racing to road course, um, you know, there's a huge difference because you're, you're having to turn left and turn right. So now, you know, I wasn't worrying about just launching the car and then just shifting through the gears and getting through you know, the the traps now is um, turning left and right, knowing where to brake, how much to brake, uh, how when to get back on the throttle, when to go, um, you know, how deep to take it in the corners, just everything. Um, there's a lot more going uh, going on when you're when you're road coursing. And I started learning different things about the car and how it handles and, and all that uh, while I was road coursing. But then going from the road course world in a Corvette, which has a lot of great grip, um, very, you know, well put together car, very balanced. Going from that to a stock car, I felt like I was on ice. Yeah. Um, way, way different. The tires aren't, aren't as grippy. Um, the car, it feels loose the whole time because, I, you know, I didn't, I was used to a very balanced car where everything is just square, you know, all yep. your tires square. Everything is square. It's just all, you know, happy medium. Whereas in a stock car, it's built to turn left. So you start going through the corner, even going down the straight, the car is trying to turn left the whole time. Yep. So the whole time you think you're about to spin out, you know, and you're like, what, what is going on? Like when I go through a turn and I get on the gas, the back end is stepping out. Why is this happening? You know, and, I, and I'm <laughs> and I'm trying to get used to that, not and and get away, get my mind away from that whole balanced feel that you have in the Corvette. That took me a while. I mean, I, I didn't learn it my first year, and it took me majority of uh, my first K and N season to really start getting a feel for that and really start getting comfortable with that. And then running a lot of dirt stuff this past winter. Um, really helped me get comfortable with it, and uh, yeah. I've seen some improvement in these first few races this year. I mean, we've already had four K&N races um, this season, and at each track we've gone to, I've already been at least two-tenths quicker than I was at that same track last year. Yeah, that's cool. It's great to see the, the progress when you can really start feeling the car and you get you get that confidence to go in a little deeper and to get back to the gas a little bit sooner and knowing that the car is going to stick. And if it doesn't stick, you got enough skill to actually hang on to it. That's cool. All right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Let me ask you about this one. You mentioned the Challenger, and I've heard rumors that your Challenger had 1,000 horsepower. Is that for real? That is definitely for real. Dude. (laughs) 
I <laughs> I bought the Challenger, bone stock, nothing done to it. I bought it. Uh, it's uh, basically right when I graduated from the Naval Academy, I went home to Dallas for one month because we had basket leave and we all got off for a month, which was great. The next day, I went to the Dodge dealership, bought a Dodge Challenger, uh, drove it home um, there in Maryland, and then uh, four days later on that Friday, took it to a drag strip and started drag racing. Right on, man. And, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I did a 13.7 in that in that challenger on street tires and i was like well you know that's way quicker than ever been in anything yeah and i told myself you know what i want to go faster though that's not quick enough <laughs> and for the next three years um i started getting quicker and quicker and finally um after about three years i it was a low 10 second car yeah in the in the half mile it did 174 miles per hour nice. and then in the one mile it did uh, 200.9 miles per hour wow so, dude that's awesome yeah. wow like I, I experienced 200 miles per hour before a lot of people who are stock car racing experienced it. <laughs> that has fan- okay, so then I got to ask you then, what's your take on this new Dodge Challenger SRT Demon? That Demon is going to be an animal. So that Demon just did a 9.6 in a quarter mile yeah. for a factory car. That is simply amazing. And for me, when I had my Challenger, I mean, my Challenger was making more power than this Demon's making, and I couldn't even get down to the 9.6 range. Yeah. So what they're doing with that suspension, what they're doing with their ability to cool the supercharger and keep cool air going into that motor, and just all the different things that they've done to that car to make it as quick as it is, for them to do what they're doing with only 840 horsepower, yep. uh, that, that's amazing. Because wow. back when I was doing, you know, racing with my car, uh, 840 horsepower to the motor was not enough to get you to a 9.6. Yeah. Yeah, well, they got it figured out for sure. Actually, it was just two two weeks ago when whenever they announced it, uh, we had yeah, it was two weeks ago. We had uh, Jim Wilder, who's actually the lead engineer of the of the, the both the Hellcat and the Demon. He was actually a guest here on the show, and uh, he couldn't have been a nicer guy. And he was saying, "Man, he's this this is the car I always wanted to build, and I can't believe that Dodge allowed me to build it. It was real. It was a very cool thing for him to say. It was pretty neat. It was cool." Nice, nice. So, okay, so next race, what do you, are, is it, um, oh gosh, where did I see it? Was it Spokane? Is that where you guys are running next? Yeah, so our our next uh, NASCAR Canaan Pro Series West race is going to be in Spokane, Washington. That's going to be on May 13th. And then on May 20th, we have another Canaan West race, which is going to be at Orange Hill Speedway in Southern California. But um, this weekend, though, on Saturday, I'll actually be racing in Idaho um, in a super late model race at Meridian Speedway. So I'm really looking forward to that um, because, you know, we haven't been racing since, since uh, you know, May 25th. Yeah. So I've been sitting here just, you know, just not knowing what to do with myself. <laughs> I, I jump on my racing simulator. I spend hours on that every single night. But still, at the end of the day, you want to jump in a real car and race. So it's going to be nice to actually jump back in and do that. And then it'll be nice to get back to K&N racing pretty soon with the, with our Patriot Motorsports Group team. As uh, as good as iRacing it is, it's just not quite the same as having a real motor in front of you, you know? Oh, exactly. But the cool thing about iRacing is it's a lot cheaper, so you can go make mistakes yeah. and it doesn't cost you a dime. <laughs> Amen to that one, brother. You got that right. It's Jesse Awuji. And Jesse, congratulations on all your success, man. I, I didn't expect to talk about drag racing so much. I didn't expect to talk so much about uh, about road course stuff with you today. But this has been great, man. I'm super impressed. Hey, for folks, if they want to follow you, I'm sure you got to be on all the social channels there. Where do we find you? Yeah, um, they can find me pretty much on any social network. So if they reach out on Facebook, uh, they can find me at Jesse Iwuji Racing. And then on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, I have the same exact handle. It's going to be Jesse underscore Iwuji for all of those. And then they can check out our race team, too, Patriot Motorsports Group. And they can also check out our uh, 
newest car owner that just joined a team who's my car owner for the year, and that's a Sean Merriman. And uh, he played in the NFL for some years, uh, went to a Pro Bowl three times. And um, this guy, now he is uh, now he's getting his feet wet into NASCAR at the K&N level and becoming my car owner for the year. And it's been, it's been a pretty cool journey so far this year with that. He's done some MMA stuff too, hasn't he? Uh, he, he's dabbling a little bit in that right now. Yeah. He's uh, doing some workouts with that, sparring a little bit. Um, who knows? He, he might, you might see him do an MMA fight, you know, <laughs> not in the not too distant future. <laughs> right on, man. Very cool. Well, dude, it's awesome. It's been great to have you on with us today, and uh, we certainly appreciate. And you're welcome back anytime here on the Driving Show. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been great. Now, coming up in just a minute, a professor thinks he's figured out how to get us to stop texting and driving. And you'll be surprised by his idea. That's up next. I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show. Hey, this is Garrett Smithley, driver of the number nothing Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. You're listening to John Hammer on The Driving Show. You know, Garrett's got a radio in his race car, but we should not be yapping on the phone and texting and whatnot, right? Let's talk about distracted driving. Odds are pretty good you're in the car right now listening to the show. You don't need to send that text. It can wait. We all know it's bad, and still, we all do it. So how do we stop? Well, what about shame? Here's an interesting story. Dr. Jay Winston of Harvard is the man who actually came up with the designated driver campaign in the late 80s and early 90s. Now, he's hoping he can do something similar with distracted driving. One of the biggest issues that makes distracted driving hard to stop, though, is that most of the time we get away with it. We send a text, we don't crash. And the more we get away with it, the more that we think it's no big deal. Again, we all know, we agree, it's a bad thing, but we, but we do it, right? The biggest difference between texting and driving and drinking and driving is that there's no stigma against the texting. Obviously, there's a very bad connotation about drinking and driving that simply doesn't exist with texting and being distracted behind the wheel. So Dr. Winston wants to do the same thing that he did when he designed the designated driver program. He used Hollywood to spread the word. See, back then, TV shows like Cheers actually did episodes about not drinking and driving, using a designated driver. He feels the same idea could work for distracted driving. With respected folks sending the message, he feels that it could get through. For instance, distractions ruin your situational awareness. You don't realize what's going on around you. As fans of motorsports, you and I should all recognize the importance of that. But how about guys like Patriots coach Bill Belichick? He teaches situational awareness to his players, and it works. They win Super Bowls. The Air Force has a saying. They say, what's the difference between a great pilot and a dead pilot? Situational awareness. So the doctor's still working on a plan to actually make you feel guilty about looking at the phone. But we all know that if the seed is planted in the back of your mind, you'll be less likely to do it. Here's the lesson. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. Don't answer that phone. The text message can wait. You know it's true. Now challenge yourself. My real world story on this one, my kid. My boy is 10 years old now, and it was about two years ago. Eh, not even that. A year and a half ago, maybe. And he called me out on it. I did. I grabbed the phone while we were in the car. He's in the back seat, and he goes, Daddy, you're not supposed to text and drive. And I thought, you know what? The text message can wait. You are more important than any little note that I need to send. All right, on the other side of the break, we're going to take a look at the world of racing. It's time for this week's Motorsports Update. Stay right there. I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show.
Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jesse Wuji, and I'm a U.S. Naval officer and also a driver in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West, and I drive for a Patriot Motorsports Group, and you're listening to The Driving Show with John Hammer. I'm telling you, I am seriously impressed with Jesse. We're going to be watching his progress. Hey, uh, a friend of the show once, a friend of the show for life. Welcome back. It's a beautiful Saturday morning rolling on here, and I hope you're making the most of it. I'm actually racing my own car this weekend. I'll be at Carolina Motorsports Park racing with NASA Southeast today and tomorrow. If you're in the neighborhood, swing on by and say hi. I'm super excited because I just got a brand new engine put in, and I mean brand new from a company called Race Engineering in Salisbury, North Carolina. I'll tell you, it is the most expensive thing that I've ever purchased in my whole racing career other than an entire car. But here's hoping uh, the power gives me the oomph that I need to, to run uh, li- li- at, least, at least closer to the front, if not up front. Speaking of racing, it's time for the driving show's motorsports update. <laughs> now, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hearing somebody talk about Fernando Alonso's rookie test in Indianapolis on Wednesday. The two-time Formula One uh, world champion did a great job getting up to speed and eventually topped 225 miles per hour. The team is, is fantastic, you know, and uh, um, the way they, they prepare the test and the way they, they prepare me uh, on, on this uh, last couple of weeks has been uh, perfect, you know, to get up to speed uh, quite quickly and quite comfortable. So, yeah, thanks to, to the team, thanks to Marco this morning, you know, the car, um, you know, he made small changes just to, to make myself even more comfortable with the car in terms of balance, getting a little bit extra on the steer to, to get some confidence, etc. So, you know, fantastic um, uh, uh, first day, so let's see what uh, what uh, we can do from now on. Uh, and I'm going to give IndyCar big props for doing a fully produced webcast with Mario Andretti and Johnny Rutherford doing commentary, plus Robin Miller getting interviews the, the the way that only Robin Miller can. I mean, he's got such a great presence. It was an excellent, excellent show. It really was well done. Even though it wasn't broadcast on television, it was it had all the, the fit and finish of, of a proper TV show. It was really well done, guys. Last weekend's NASCAR race at Richmond was what we've come to expect from short short racing exciting door banging fun congrats to team penske for getting a one-two finish with joe logano winning and brad keselowski grabbing second by the way did you notice how i pronounce his last name keselowski when his family was running trucks back in the 90s and early 2000s it was pronounced correctly then now listen to the guys on tv they all slurk keselowski it's four syllables gang not three keselowski it does drive me nuts. I'm like, I'm a grammar guy like that. And I used to work with Brad's brother, Brian, who's a great guy, also a heck of a race car driver. Brian confirms, Keselowski, all four syllables. <laughs> Speaking of NASCAR, this week, we made the move from one of the smallest tracks on the circuit to absolutely the largest one. This weekend is Talladega. The Talladega, And with the recent announcement of Dale Jr. deciding to retire after this year, the focus on him at the Super Speedways is huge. Even the TV commercials have him saying, only one other racer has more wins at Talladega than I do. And we have the same name. (laughs) He got all serious on that one. That might be his best commercial ever. Should be interesting to see where he winds up. He sure could use the win, get into the play. Get into the playoffs. Holy cow, think about this. Do you, I mean, is there a legit shot at Junior winning the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series championship? Doing it on the heels of a victory at Dega? In Formula One, the Russian Grand Prix was last weekend. And it started poorly for Fernando Alonso. His McLaren Honda broke 
before the green flag. Have you seen the video of him? He's just walking away from the car in absolute disgust. He's so, he's just, you can just see, he's just, his shoulders are slumped. He's just like, what am I doing here? Um, you can really see why Honda is keen to get him to the Indy 500, at least get him in something competitive, right? I mean, they've talked him out of retirement. He retired last year, and they said, no, we, we need you. Come on, come on back, Fernando. And now he's in Formula One with a car that absolutely sucks. We know he can wheel. <laughs> That's not a problem. Um, he's definitely not happy with the guys. Now, if you watch the race, you may have found yourself thinking to yourself, hmm, this is rather dull. <laughs> You're not the only one. Want to take a guess at how many passes we had on track during the race? According to the FIA, there was exactly one pass made on track during the race. One pass. Uno. Like the one in Formula One. So F1, always looking to make the show better, has decided to... That's right. They've decided to do nothing. (laughs) There was some talk that they would extend the uh, drag reduction system zones, the DRS zones, to encourage more passing. But for some reason, they decided against it because, you know, passing brings so much excitement to the sport. I mean, (laughs) while while it wasn't done with a thrilling on-track pass, the victory did go to Valtteri Bottas, who did a great job of holding off his teammate, Lewis Hamilton. Third was Kimi Raikkonen, who showed his usual enthusiasm on the podium. That's a joke, you see, because Kimi (laughs) Kimi has no enthusiasm. I'm just kind of mumbles here. I know what I'm doing. Somebody gets mad. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> the next F1 race is next weekend in Spain. Yes, Fernando Alonso will be there. Uh, then he continues the crazy uh, travel schedule to get back to Indy. He's bouncing between Europe and Indianapolis a whole bunch, trying to get his seat time in and, and, and meet with the, the team for the 500. Exciting stuff in Texas this weekend. The IMSA WeatherTech Series gears up for the Advanced Auto Parts Sports Car Challenge at Circuit of the Americas. All four classes are racing, plus the Continental Tire Series later today. If you are there, bring the whole family. Kids get in free with a paid adult, and the facility is simply amazing. It really, I mean, it's a flipping Formula One track, crying out loud. I mean, the place is really, really fantastic. I've been there three times, and I've never been on the track. I've not driven on the track yet, but uh, man, what a place. It really is great. Finally, the National Hot Rod Association has back-to-back weekends in the Southeast. Last weekend was the four wide nationals at ZMAX Dragway across the street from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. If you ever get the opportunity to see four cars go off at the same time, I really recommend it. It is unbelievable. Now, you'll remember from last week's show that there was some bad blood in the pro stock ranks between a couple of teams. Good news is that that did not spill over into last week's event. This week, the series moves a few hours west to the Atlanta Metro, and you may have caught Leah Pritchett live on Morning Express with Robin Mead. That's the morning show on Headline News. Pritchett was there talking about this weekend's racing in Atlanta. Of course, Headline News is a branch of CNN, which is also based in the ATL. Interestingly, I met Leah several years ago at a Mopar enthusiast event that we were both working. Back then, she was only running part-time in the series. These days, she's the top fuel points leader, right? It's time to pull in for four fresh tires and fuel. And when we come back, we are going over your favorite songs to crank up on the car stereo. I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show. 
<laughs> you remember the, the days of throwing a cassette tape in the clarion, blasting through the Krako speakers mounted on the back deck of your car? <laughs> we have come a long way, man. Good morning, I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show. Now, I remember when I saved up a, enough money for a Harman Kardon cassette deck. That was... Well, I put that in. I had a 1990 Honda CRX SI that I bought brand new in 1990. So this was back then, 1990. I had a little amplifier, some JBL component speakers in the door, and I think it was an 8-inch woofer in the hatch. Man, and I thought I was a baller, right? I had a bumping system. <laughs> the um, That system I actually took with me. I went into two other vehicles that I owned afterwards. But no matter what you got in the car, there are some songs that you and I just have to play loud in the car. Earlier this week, we were talking on our social media about the songs that you've just got to crank up, and we came up with a pretty decent list. Now, these are not in any particular order, but uh, these ones caught my ear. Yes, Fred Durst may be a huge tool bag, but this song cranks up some guitars and hip-hop and it just gets you going. Or should I say rolling, Limp Bizkit. Now, back in the early to mid-90s, I worked at, uh, at, a, at a rock station in Detroit, and uh, Bush was, I mean, they were huge at the time, and everything zen was always there. And of course, I always got a kick out of it because the station I worked at, we didn't edit out the A word. We left it all in there. Piped up on social, and and he, yeah, totally right on this one. Lizzie Hale, Hailstorm, great stuff, man. Freak like me rocks it every time. Country stuff, you guys. I mean, classic stuff. Dwight Yoakam, guitars, Cadillacs. Now guitars, Cadillacs, hillbilly music, lonely, lonely streets that I call home. Yeah, man, guitars, Cadillacs, hillbilly music, the only thing that keeps me hanging. If you're just tuning in, we're actually going through a list of songs. It's a list we've put together. It's not in any particular order, but a list of songs that you just got to crank up, man. You just got to crank them up. And I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard of Colt Ford. I really, I was not familiar with the guy at all. Shame on me because he's pretty cool. It's like country rock and rap and this is chicken and biscuits. She's pretty as a Arms of 
Chicken and biscuits. And this one makes me wonder how much money Leonard Skinner made off of uh, the Bama Boys remake of Sweet Home Alabama. right on this one. Beastie Boys, Yo Sleep Till Brooklyn. Parker's vote from Saliva. Click, click, boom. Click, click, boom. I'm coming down on the stereo. Hit me on the radio. Click, click, boom. I'm coming down with the new style. You know it's my wild. Click, click, boom. Kara threw out the idea of some, uh, some uh, ska, some uh, rockabilly stuff. Cherry Pop and Daddy's man, Zoot Suit Riot. This is a great tune. I remember this one. Riot. comes to songs that you just cannot get loud enough in the car. Here, here's mine. This one's mine right here. I'm from Detroit. I've got to I, I got to give it up to to Kid Rock, son of Detroit. I like my whiskey straight up. Daiquiris they make me ill. And if someone touches my fever skin, I get mad enough to kill. I got a rifle rack in my pickup truck. I'm a four-wheeling maniac. And if you want to race, just name the place. I'm going to show you where it's at. I'm a red man, rock and roll son of Detroit. I don't like no new wave techno band around. Well, I'm going to drink a couple dozen beers. to follow the show online. Instagram, we're at The Driving Show, at The Driving Show. And if you do thedrivingshow.com, links right to our Facebook page. It's super easy. Next week on the show, we've got the head guy at Race Deck lined up. Jorgen Moeller is the man behind what is clearly the floor covering that you and I all want in our garages and our man caves. He's going to be with us then to tell us about getting that custom look that we all want. Thanks for joining me. I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show.